Today we are focusing on the topic of nature and how it plays a crucial role in our mental health and well-being. The Eden Project believe in the power of connecting people with each other and the natural world. The power of people collectively doing things to improve their lives and the lives of others around them. Welcome everyone to our 33rd in our series of podcasts brought to you by Good Thinking, London's digital mental wellbeing service providing round-the-clock mental wellbeing support for those living or working in London. This is Sonia Etatwani of Good Thinking. And in this podcast, our clinical director, Dr. Richard Graham, is in discussion with Emma Tolley, Outreach Project Manager at the Eden Project. In this episode, we listen in to how the Eden Project engages with communities through a programme of activities for under fives and their families to encourage outdoor play and nature connection. And those deep roots, new shoots, pioneering programmes of nature-based activities that allows grandparents, grandchildren and volunteers to connect with Eden and each other. It's clear to see that using a supportive, trusting environment, things can be done differently to bring about positive changes in mental health and well-being. Over to you, Richard and Emma. Thank you, Sonia, and thank you, Emma, for joining us today. The theme of this podcast is a new one for good thinking, which is to be thinking about access to nature and its positive impact on your mental health. Emma, in terms of your work at the Eden Project, I guess this is an important theme, accessing nature and and its impact on our mental health. Could you tell us a bit about your work at the Eden Project? Uh, Yes, so I oversee two programmes. One is our Nature's Way programme. So those are a series of activities which benefit people's health and well-being. So those can include our walking groups on site. We run a horticultural therapy programme, but we also do activities for uh, children and their parents and grandparents. So that's our Deep Roots New Shoots programme. So again, those activities tend to have more of a focus on outdoor play and learning, but equally those are very important for um, mental health and well-being as well. So the the common theme throughout all of our activities is is nature connection. We know that being outdoors has really positive impacts on our health and that's certainly been seen in our programmes where you know people report reduced BMI, better well-being scores but actually increasingly we're seeing the importance of nature connection for our well-being as well. So when we've looked at that actually goes a little bit deeper than just time and access in nature it's a certain type of intervention as well. From some of our earlier podcasts we're aware of say the positive benefit of being outside and natural daylight, resetting your body clock, which is fantastically helpful for sleep. And you're mentioning passing the BMI, so being active physically again is going to be helpful for your body and and, and staying fit and healthy in, in the physical sense. But you're talking about some understanding of the deeper processes then that may impact on our mental health. Yeah, so we've we've known, um, I think the physiological benefits of being outdoors are pretty well documented. So we know um, that people who access green spaces tend to be healthier. That's often because they're more physically active. So, you know, that's important. But there's also those other benefits from being outdoors. So those include, you know, that we produce less cortisol. So our stress levels come down. Being outdoors is really good for our brain. So for our immune amygdala and then also for our kind of prefrontal cortex as well which is where we have that where we possibly ruminate or or negative self-talk that we can have a calming effect on the brain as well so we've always known that these physiological benefits are there also for our microbiome so that actually being outdoors gives us access to all these kind of good bacteria around us so we get a really good dose of that so that improves our physiology but there's always been a bit of a disconnect between you know how much time we need to be outdoors and and whether that's the factor that influences our well-being and what we're starting to realize is that actually it's how we connect with nature in that time which is really effective so that actually if we begin to create a a proper connection with nature and see how related we are to nature this can impact on on our well-being and how well we function on a day-to-day basis as well. 
so rather than looking at you know just kind of knowledge and exposure about being outside it's about creating those moments to be properly immersed in nature i think so that's probably a good tip for anybody who thinks going for a walk outside while staring at their smartphone is not necessarily what you're talking about yeah well exactly so so for, for instance i mean it, it is important to be outside exercising so that we know that if you're going for a run outdoors the cardiovascular benefits of running outside are better than on a treadmill so there's definitely something about just getting outside to begin with but actually there's a, there's a quality of interaction which is really about how we start to notice what's around us and being connected so yes people if you're walking on a path looking at your phone without you know really engaging with what's around you there's no sort of discernible effects whereas if you're spending time to connect in some way with what's around you and that starts off with noticing what's around you the benefits are much more so when they've looked at you know how much time ideally we should be spending in nature so so 120 minutes tends to be the kind of benchmark that that's where that's what we need to be doing each week but actually below 120 minutes there's very few discernible benefits and then when you get to 200 300 minutes beyond that there's very few discernible benefits but actually it isn't just about time it's about how you're using that time so you can spend less time if you're really engaging and giving yourself a kind of mindful moment in the natural world that's a really helpful tip because good thinking we've been promoting very strongly particularly during lockdown those five ways to well-being and of course finding time to notice to be mindful in the moment of of what's around you is something one could blend then with being outside and boosting the benefits of both mindfulness and being out in nature by focusing on something in nature in that moment. Miles Richardson and the University of Derby have done a lot of work on on this. And actually, they they talked about how we could make those five ways to well-being nature-based. So actually, how can we connect with nature? How can we meet people in nature? How can we uh, talk about nature? How can we be active in nature? So all of those five steps, we can give more of a nature focus as well. And that, that can enhance the, the effects as well. So when we, when we think about why we need nature connections, there's evolutionary you know sort of basis for why we need a a relation to to nature for organizations like Eden what what that connection does is you will care about something that you feel related to and connected to and that means that we can encourage people towards more pro-environmental behaviors if they feel that connection in fact we don't even need to encourage them they will do it (laughs) organically it it is about the the quality of that that time outdoors and in nature um, and how we for people who who struggle with that how how we promote that you know in them or or top tips and, and prompts to get them to connect with nature you're using the word nature i presume in different ways at the moment and and i guess there are so many aspects of nature that someone could engage with does it matter if if it's plants or trees or water or animals insects what helps you connect with nature better does it matter no I don't think and I think it's also deeply personal as well I think in the same way that when we look at how mindfulness or sort of meditation can can give us you know an understanding of ourselves and what what we need to to manage and regulate our emotions and our feelings um the same is true of our connection with nature we will have preferences and that's an important thing to learn but we start to learn about our preferences by noticing first and foremost um so you know the the first thing is we need we need to be able to see these things and and then work out how we how it makes us feel and how we feel in that moment um so for some people that will be water for some people it will be skies and and watching clouds there are certain things which 
we, we know are really impactful. So watching wildlife, we have a more emotive connection with watching wildlife. And then also thinking about, you know, the senses involved. So when we're looking at a tree, thinking about the sounds of, of the wind and so giving ourselves more of an opportunity to experience nature in, in, a, in a completely sensory way. So, you know, what can we hear? What can we see? What can we feel? What can we smell? Actually really connecting in a, in a multi-sensory way can, can be useful, but it can be any type of nature. And I, I think birds are a really good because birds tend to be everywhere and they're quite prolific. Or, you know, even in urban environments, we can see them. The same with the sky changes in, in light level, as you said, that there's that, that issue about daylight. But actually being aware of when you're walking into shade, uh, dappled light through the leaves of a tree, you know, that diversity and variety that nature can offer as well. And there's quite a lot to suggest that we're very good at noticing biodiversity so actually when we're in more biodiverse areas uh, we we have a more positive reaction to that Um, and we're quite good at judging whether an area is biodiverse or not so actually seeking out a variety of places but when we start to to notice even the tiny bits of nature from from weeds growing in the path to the the trees along your street to the birds that actually we can see that nature is more around us rather than in in a particular area I think is really helpful as well. It also reminds me that it's quite common to many mental health difficulties to start restricting ourselves in different ways you know perhaps connecting less with people actually going out less or engaging with others socially and what comes across in this sort of description of using all your five senses is sort of opening out again and and to be acknowledging noticing engaging with all that's going on around you but that in itself I would imagine creates some sort of shift in a person that starts them to to be moving into a less restricted and and sometimes less self-critical negative way and really starting to enjoy what's around them. When we understand our connection to nature actually that sense of relatedness to other things can be really powerful there's growing evidence that that a connection to nature uh, supports our eudaimonic well-being so that's how well we function and part of that is understanding our relatedness to other things so when we understand our relationship to nature we also understand our relationship to other people we feel more worthwhile in our lives so it can be a really powerful thing some of the the research that's coming out from the University of Derby suggests it's as powerful as having a a life partner in terms of what it can do for our well-being so yes it it can spiral into all aspects of our of our life and I I think it's also a reciprocal relationship so some of the activities that we can do what they do is enhance a, a sense of nature providing for us that nature is a safe place which I think is really important um, and something which you can then transfer to other elements of your life but but for people who are struggling to get out you can get a lot of the positive effects of connecting with nature with viewing nature through webcams so watching wildlife is really impactful so actually even you know if, if, if getting out the house is a particular issue to you a good starting point is to view webcams or um, even touching wooden surfaces can have a really positive effect and, and that can be a, a starting to then go and explore outdoors and find those you know those similar sensations Yes, although I, I was slightly unnerved by the suggestion that many people could ditch their life partners and get as much benefit from after lockdown, maybe that's a result. I think um, there is there is a sense that um, yeah, social isolation. So um, you know that actually by feeling connected to nature, we can in some ways mitigate some of uh, some of the issues around social isolation. So it, it, 
they, you know, there's a suggestion that actually finding a friend in nature, so going out to look um, for wildlife that you might see regularly or, you know, birds in the trees or a, even a particular tree could be your friend. You know, that actually even that sort of connection can start to mitigate some of those feelings of, of social isolation and loneliness. I hope they wouldn't, as you say, I hope they wouldn't replace, you know, <laughs> all of your all of your social connections and, and contact with your life partner. But but it can it can do things to mitigate some of it. Well, perhaps we need to do some work on understanding just how difficult trees can be if they're in the wrong (laughs) it's also very nice to be thinking a little bit about the situation some might find themselves in if they are in urban situations and may find even going outside doesn't always feel as safe and as comfortable as they'd like they can start to make a difference through something like watching a webcam I guess programs then like Spring Watch or Autumn Watch whatever it is also starts that journey of connecting with nature Absolutely. Yes. It bringing nature indoors as well, you know, so even having house plants, you know, natural elements within our houses as well can do can do a really good thing. You know, making opportunities to look out the window, to, to notice out your window to begin with. You know, even even in urban environments. In fact, in some instances our you know, our pollinators are in better you know, better shape in, in cities and things than, than elsewhere. So actually, if you, you know, being able to look out and, and see some insect life or bird life outside your window, that's a really positive thing as well, even if you can't get there. I'm always surprised by urban foxes in London, actually, and how <laughs> how you could do quite a lot of nature watching from watching your, your urban foxes, although I know they're a bit contentious. But yes, there's, there's lots of opportunities even within your home to start that journey. And I, I think that, yeah, houseplants that we know that kind of nurturing and looking after houseplants as well is a, is a good place to start yeah and I, th- I think again linking back to all of that research on five ways to well-being that when we care for something and look after it and, and in a sense give time and attention to it that that gives us back something as well and, and you mentioned all those stress hormones like cortisol that are likely to go down when we're engaged in such activities so so people don't need to be worried about going out and accessing vast spaces and forests or, or mountains or whatever they can actually start again with just really appreciating and looking after a house plant or noticing the wildlife outside their window. But I, I'm guessing there probably is an added bonus. You mentioned earlier 120 minutes that if you can progress to, to finding a way of getting outside and accessing some sort of green space, that does bring something additional, not least being physically active. Yes, being outdoors is, is preferential, but but also because it um, of the variety of experience. So I think because it's a multi-sensory experience, but also we know that we need variety and diversity. So actually giving ourselves opportunities to be out in different spaces if we can, if we have access to those in um, different weathers if we are not connected enough we're, we're start to see seasonal changes as well uh, you know all, and even you know what's changed between your today and your last walk yeah if you can go out and be part of that you're just you know there's just, it's just a much greater experience really is it's, it's a wider wider range of experiences i think many of us were noticing particularly when we entered the last lockdown we were often thinking of a sort of feeling that it was like groundhog day where every day felt the same and one of the things that did seem to be helpful was noticing the change in the light in terms of moving towards spring, the change in temperature, the all the sort of things that come with the change of seasons. And then, of course, noticing those green shoots that start to, to burst through when um, 
we're starting to leave winter behind. So all of those ways of connecting with the nature are also about connecting with growth and the cycles of, of renewal and I guess hopefulness that come with nature too. Exactly. We know that um, through lockdown, people have have got a lot of solace from from the natural world, whether that be you know accessing it on a, on a daily basis or, or accessing it through through webcams and things. Um, that we've actually kind of craved that sense because it because it continues whatever's happening with us. Really, um, there's a sense that it does move on and it does progress and it, it you know it does change. So I think that's a, a really positive thing to to be able to capture. So you know, very simply, actually. It, in terms of developing nature connections, sometimes it's just on your walk, giving yourself time to notice three new things or three things where something's changed. Actually, that that's enough that you just practice this little sort of, you know, activity of, of, of noticing and connecting. And, and like you say, I think over the over the winter period particularly I mean I always think of January as being a really dark month but actually this this January I really noticed how much lighter it did get and it is um you know I was reading last night some statistics about how few people actually have think they've ever listened to birdsong or think they've ever watched bees and butterflies or you know watched wildlife actually there's a huge number of people for whom that's not something that they would necessarily do and so I think enabling people to understand the value in those activities that they are helpful and as you say in Incorporating it with the physical activity of moving through nature in this kind of purposeful, mindful way is probably the, a good combination of the two practices. So that's a really simple exercise for us all to, to try to notice three new things whenever we're, we're sort of out in nature again. And I guess incorporating that into your ordinary sort of schedule would be a very helpful thing to add to eating well, exercise, etc. Absolutely. And I think, you know, we, we know that people who are more connected to nature tend to be more physically active. They tend to eat better as well. So those things all kind of go hand in hand. I think sometimes giving people too many things to do, but the fact that if, if you're naturally taking your daily walk anyway as, as your exercise, if you can incorporate this, you're just adding an, another and kind of sort of boosting that that experience whilst you're out and about. And also when we start to think about where we how we want to invest our time then in making improvements in our lives, that, that you know, actually understanding where those spaces are, you know, giving ourselves time to explore a local area and find those natural green spaces and, and knowing them and caring about them is really important to then sort of preserving them and keeping them and all you know establishing more <laughs> i do want to also because I, I guess there are sometimes skeptics when it comes to this area of of sort of do we really need all of this contact and you know for people who might have grown up with a lot of screen time and and again during lockdown where so much of what we were doing was just conducted through screens are there any sort of tips to help those people recognize all these benefits that you outline are as important as all those other healthy tips do, do you find that's a challenge weaning people from their screens I've, I've had to kind of come full circle on this because my, <laughs> my children are uh, I guess a part of me thinks that they use screens more than I did, but actually I probably watched quite a lot of television in my teens as well. Um, it, interestingly, you know, people are sceptical about how powerful it can be. Um, it, you know, it feels like a, a quick fix or, or relatively simple, but I think partly that is just really, you know, telling people how powerful this is. So, you know, previously I'd, I'd spoken to a, a Dr. Amir Khan, he's a, you know, a doctor in inner city shepherd. And I said, when people, do people feel it's disparaging when you say, you know, you've got quite, quite complex health needs, but take a walk in nature. And he said, I never say that you know but, but if I weren't went to tell people that this is an important part of that puzzle about how you maintain your health and well-being I would be missing giving them a really important tool that they could use we, we do need to understand how important this is and promote how important it is there are skeptics and but I think also you know we, we can 
adjust our use of screens and apps to incorporate this as well as, as I said that you know some of that virtual nature we're finding is is helpful um, it is useful but also you know there are lots of apps which promote you to do this so, so the, for instance there's a app called Go Jauntily where you have the opportunity to kind of map your walks um, and then it encourages you to take nature notes so to photograph three things potentially or, or list them down three things that you've noticed so there, there are certainly tools that we can incorporate in into our into our nature walks or our time outside and I'm quite interested in how we use our smartphones and again in this in this research that Miles Richardson has done he talks about positive uses of social media and, and negative uses and and the they correlate actually quite closely to how many selfies we take so actually people who are better connected to nature will take more pictures of nature and share more pictures of nature so that actually going out and if your way of noticing or capturing those nature moments is to photograph them on your smartphone that's a really good way of doing it and then sharing them with other people but you know you can relive that nature moment when you're back inside your house or your flat so I don't think we need to be totally disparaging but I think then we also need to think about but perhaps less as individuals, but more as some of the organisations or systems around, you know, making sure that we do have the screen spaces where we can immerse in nature in, in a way that there's not a, a kind of fence around it or it's not, you know, sort of siloed into separate spaces. You know, I think at any point in our lives, we can connect with nature, we can do this work. But certainly, if we've had positive experiences as children, it's much easier to reconnect people with that sense of wonder, to, to reconnect people in, in adulthood if, if they've had positive experiences as children. So it is really crucial that our schools and nurseries have biodiverse green spaces, which children can access freely and spend time in. And as you say, connect then to something deeper in oneself, to go back to those early years where there were good experiences in nature, where the wonder of a of an insect or even the pattern of a leaf might have impressed upon you in a very deep way. I do want to ask just before we close, though, perhaps a, a question that might be a little challenging and maybe personally risky for you to answer. Some people have advocated talking to nature in terms of talking to plants. What's your view on that? Um, so certainly when we think about connecting with nature, you know, one of the things that we can do is talk about it. And so I think talking to nature is probably on a, on a par with that. As I said, when you, that, that idea of walking and ruminating and kind of getting rid of the negative self-talk to walk out, I have quite a playful approach to nature connection, which I think comes from a lot of the early work that I did at Eden was, was with younger children. Um, and that's had that's pushed me into really having to understand the sensory experiences that, that children are, what what motivates them, what they connect with. And I think that's quite powerful for adults as well. So, so getting people into a playful place where they feel that they can talk to a plant you know I don't see any issues with it, but I imagine other people would so you have to be a little bit sensitive um but get, again it's that compassion thing that if we care about nature or we feel connected to it we'll probably talk to it as well as connecting sort of individually and, and developing these these mindful practices on our own it's also really good to connect with others outside and there's lots of voluntary groups and opportunities to be involved in in, in group activities so we've got there's a website called capitalgrowth.org which maps out all of the community gardens in, in London and there's plenty of organisations there from Organic Lee who are based in Walsham Forest or Sydenham Garden Hackney Herbal all, all of whom are doing great work at, at providing spaces where people 
people can connect with nature. And they've also in the past hosted a big lunch. The big lunch campaign brings people together. Um, and it's a great year for doing that outdoors because obviously with some of the COVID restrictions, it's a much safer space. And it's a great way that these community gardens can, you know, shout about what they do, but it's also a great way to bring people into those spaces as well. So this year, the big lunch is on the weekend of the 5th of June, um, but it's part of a whole month of community. Um, so there's lots of events. If you look at the uh, biglunch.com, you'll find lots of activities there and lots more information there. Well, that's just really helpful because I think we're aware that people are struggling to come out of lockdown. It's not so easy just to get that confidence to be moving out in the world, which has been you know, portrayed for a long time as a place of risk. But also, I guess when we do things with others, it, we can take bigger steps sometimes. So perhaps through meeting people socially, you can start that journey to greater access to nature. Yeah, and also being able to talk together about what you've seen or experienced, you know, helps you create a more meaningful and emotional connection to what you've seen as well. Well, that, that's been fantastic, Emma. And I, I, I think as with some other evolving areas, including recognising the importance of social relationships on our mental health, that this deepening understanding of just how important accessing nature is for our mental health is, is something we need to take as seriously, it seems, as, as getting good quality sleep or, as we talked about, exercise, a good diet, and intriguingly, you then mentioning the microbiome and this, again, growing field of knowledge that kind of contact with with helpful bacteria is something we need more of as well. So lots of very important messages. Going for a walk is, is just what the doctor ordered, it seemed. But a walk, a walk plus some nature connection. <laughs> nature connection, yes. Yeah. Uh, unless your life partner doesn't want you to be spending any yeah. more time talking to that tree. Um, but we'll, we'll park that there. I think we're going to give you a break, though, from, from nature just for a short time, although you may have a strategy for responding to this. We've tended to end our podcast by asking people to think back to how they've coped with lockdown. And at this point, you know, many of us have felt nearly like we've been in lockdown for a year. And what we'd like to ask those who join us on the podcast is if you could have chosen three prominent or famous people to take into a lockdown situation with you, who would you have chosen, Emma? Well, to, to be honest, I feel that I've had a kind of celebrity lockdown <laughs> um, already. <laughs> so I've, um, I, uh, I'm, I'm a big Strictly Come Dancing fan, actually. Um, and I've spent, I basically, in January, have used my lockdown to do as much dancing with Strictly celebrities as I could possibly have done. You know, through Zoom, they've been offering various uh -huh. dance classes. So there was one week where I clocked up about 10 hours with, with Strictly, Strictly celebs. So from, I feel I feel like I've kind of had my, <laughs> my celebrity lockdown. We've all, we've all, you know, I've been, um, I've been doing dance classes with a, uh, uh, Giovanni Panici and uh, every day uh, for an hour um, he lets us into his flat and we have a, a good dance and so actually I feel like I've kind of I've kind of done my my celebrity lockdown um, so I've, I actually feel like I've kind of lucked out with with the people that I am that I am locked down with as well so <laughs> well um, a bit like accessing nature you can do things through a webcam reasonably successfully but I guess you get added value and frustrations by actually living with people in person. So I think we're not going to let you fudge that completely. So you have to take three bodied people into lockdown with you. Actually, I say bodied. They, they can be fictional or even dead. But who would they have been? Oh, 
Yes, I, I have. I, I do feel in terms of my lockdown scenario with with my, you know, I'm very lucky. I've got two sons and my partner and I, I feel very content with, with my lockdown partners. I think, yeah, we've, you know, through books, through radio, through through the stuff that I've been able to do on Zoom, I'm really pleased with the interaction that I've had with other people. But I'm quite happy with us living in separate spaces. <laughs> I don't feel that we need to live alongside <laughs> each other. So, yeah, I'm, I'm really, I'm really happy with my kind of lockdown scenario. I don't think I'd swap them for any celebrities. <laughs> well, I don't know whether to go a bit John Humphreys and say I'm going to have to push you on this one (laughs) but I'm starting to imagine that you might want a bit of space perhaps with a few choice plants and even the odd insect I guess you've you've probably answered that (laughs) to the best of your ability okay so you've got some space for yourself we also allow you to bring in some media originally this was something you could have on a smartphone or tablet because at the time of the first quarantine you could keep that because it could be disinfected. So would there be any music, book, film, recorded event that would help you keep going through lockdown and lots of dancing? Yeah, I think some definitely some positive and uplifting music. So I've got various soundtracks that I would definitely take with me. Certainly during the first lockdown as well, I was doing quite a lot of painting and decorating and there was various walls that have been painted alongside Craig Charles Funk Show or Radio 1 Dance Anthems, which I look back on now and think okay. maybe that wasn't, wasn't the correct soundtrack. Um, so definitely some uplifting music, but probably the radio. I do enjoy listening to Radio 4 and uh, to Radio 6 music and that's, that's um, been something that I would I would definitely like to have with me uh, through my device, I think. So access to the radio would be fantastic. So some radio apps or mm. tune-in radio or something like that so you could still stream radio via your device would keep you going and, and help you get through that decorating. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> We're going to allow you some luxury at this point as well to to have with you that, again, might just ease some of the frustrations of lockdown. Any thoughts of what you might take as a luxury? Uh, Well, so probably my garden would be my luxury. Um, uh, (laughs) I just, yeah, feel very, very grateful for that, for that outside space. But also a bicycle. I heard quite early on in lockdown that you should always, um, by someone who'd lived in countries where there had often been curfews or, you know, sort of issues where they couldn't rely on on things. And they advised always having a full tank of petrol and a working bicycle and actually I have to say my working bicycle particularly down during the first lockdown was was an absolute godsend that I could get a little bit further from home so experiences places a little bit further away or a little bit different I, I only I'm very lucky in Cornwall I only live about seven miles from the sea but actually over the first lockdown that we weren't permitted to travel there so having the bike meant that I could get there <laughs> and that was, um, uh-huh. that was fantastic so yes my bike was definitely a, a good thing. So it's a small ask I think to have a property close to the sea with a good garden <laughs> and a decent bicycle at the same time so um <laughs> I think we have to admire the fact that you've managed to create an opportunity to access nature, even in lockdown, which I don't think anyone has suggested before. But but we will um, be asking Matt Hancock if he can provide a, a little bit of funding for a good property with a, a decent garden and not too many miles from the coast. <laughs> Perfect. So... <laughs> Everyone should have one. <laughs> Yes, yes. Well, we'll just get his magic money tree out and um, all will be good. It would probably save uh, the health service quite a lot of money in the long run, actually. I I suspect you're right. We we spend too little time on prevention and I think he's he's very aware of that. So I'm sure you would have a sympathetic ear, if not necessarily deep pockets. So 
Thank you again, Emma, for getting across that powerful message about the importance of accessing nature in our lives and noticing nature. I'm really starting to build that into a sort of habit that, as you say, could stave off all sorts of health conditions and more than anything, help you enjoy life because of its positive impact on your mood. So thank you very much for sharing that with us. Thank you. 